you're listening to You Should Read This, a comic book and graphic novel review and discussion podcast. My name's Ryan. And I'm Alan. Uh, Today, we're here to talk about a book called East of West. Read the first two trades of it. Um, And so we're going to talk about it in probably too much detail. (laughs) Uh, But real quick, I wanted to shout out ways you can get to us. We're on Twitter at YSRT Comics. We're on Instagram and Facebook as You Should Read This Comics. Um, you can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play. Please leave us reviews. Click follow, like, comment, subscribe. I don't know. Do the thing. Do the thing. Yeah. Please. It's it's like with every, especially with a new podcast like ours. Like you, we gotta we gotta get a little bit of a little bit of people getting in there and and leaving a review. Even if even if just the review says this is a good thing, or then, I mean this that's sucks. better than nothing. <laughs> I, yeah, I prefer not the latter if that's, <laughs> if that's possible. Yeah, uh, tell your friends. Yeah, tell you, we'll, tell everyone. And we'll talk about how you can reach out to us individually at the end of the show. Cool. All right. So you already said it. We're reading East of West. Yes. Um, man, this book, man. I had I had a uh, a a crazy idea where I think I was. You know, it's a funny story actually. I didn't want to read East of West. I wanted I wanted to read Manifest Destiny. <laughs> oh, okay. But but East of West is the words that I used. Ah. And so when I sat down to read it, I'm like, "Oh shoot." And then I thought about it. I'm like, "Oh good." <laughs> Cuz I forgot it. Like I had almost forgotten about the premise of this book. Um which is great because it makes reading it over again uh immensely rewarding. <laughs> rewarding is not the word i would use Um, (laughs) you said you you made sure to warn me that it was dense and it's true i i agree with you but we're gonna we're gonna get to that let's talk about uh the creative team sure uh this was written by jonathan hickman uh and the artist is nick dragata or nick dragota I think it's got to be it's a it's a double T. I'm gonna go with Dragata. That's fair. Yeah, that sounds good. Due um, due to the malleable and, rules of English. Yeah. Right. Uh, my understanding, and so the other people on it, Frank Martin doing colors and Russ Wooten doing letters. Uh, and the team, at least the Hickman and Dragata, came together doing Fantastic Four at Marvel several years ago, and mm-hmm. sort of as has become tradition at this point, they were working together on a licensed property and said, hey, we should do a creator-owned thing. And that's yeah. this. Probably, like, found something during a like a, a lunch that they were having, and they're like, what if? And then... Because I feel like that's how all image books are made at this point. It's just, like, a couple people hanging out, and then they just start kicking ideas around based off a of thing they're already working on. In a sense... That's how Image started, right? It was a bunch of guys who worked at Marvel, who were doing Marvel books, and decided like they wanted to do their own thing. Yeah, it's absolutely true. <laughs> They're like, hey, let's just uh, let's go make some comics, I guess. Well, I know Youngblood was like a failed pitch for the new Avengers. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the main guy 
shoot arrows. He's basically Hawkeye. Hold on, I'm looking this up right now. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty confident about that one. Um, but yeah, so for a while, Jonathan Hickman was the architect of the Marvel Universe. And he is the kind of guy who likes to write just a thousand years of backstory for any specific issue. So mm. it worked out. But it, I mean, he was one, he did, he created the group, the Illuminati, which is every smart person on the Marvel uh, Universe yeah. uh, put together. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like Tony Stark and um, Reed Richards and Doom and Professor X. And they're the ones who they sent, uh, yeah. what's his name, to the moon? The Hulk. Yeah, they, the Hulk. they sent not Hulk into space. space. Yeah. Yes. No, not even, yeah, not even with a destination. No, wait, it had a destination, I think. I think it went, I think it got off course. Yeah, and he, he also wrote the series with S.H.I.E.L.D. that was like, Leonardo da Vinci was part of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's talk about that. <laughs> I don't re- I don't remember that. Yeah. At some totally point. Happened. You do realize at some point, uh, I'm still going to make you read more crossovers because we oh, never went back and read uh, Siege like we were going to. <laughs> that's Bendis, and because, though. Okay, I mean, I mean, it's I like not that Bendis. different. Bendis just wants everybody to fight, whereas Jonathan Hickman wants everybody to discover the secret history from the last thousand years. I don't know if Bendis wants everybody to fight. Every, Bendis wants everybody to fight and then realize how wrong they were for fighting. And have deep philosophical arguments with each other well you know that's my brand punching (laughs) and philosophy but only if they happen simultaneously that's fair that's why (laughs) that's why you don't like matrix reloaded because it's one and then the other yeah i guess matrix reloaded definitely was like hey let's make an action movie based on this philosophy movie we made well it was sort of like a i want both of these things but It'd be kind of hard to integrate them. Let's just intercut the scenes. <laughs> well, Let's also they were listening. Talks. They were also just listening to a lot of industrial um, goth rock at the time too. Oh well, obviously. So were all of us. I mean, I, <laughs> okay. I saw POD so, concert last week, and they didn't play. Oh Sleeping yes, Awake, you did. So I was bummed. I can't believe you you went to that. It was a free show. But also, I guess they, yeah. I've seen P.O.D. a handful of times. It was, it's not like the first time I've seen it. Did they play that one song? They did not play Sleeping Awake, the Matrix song. But they did play like half of the album Satellite, which is their biggest album. My wife oh. and I went with a bunch of people. Uh, yeah, somebody else I know was there. And I forget, I don't remember who that was. Chewy. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, I guess it was just Chewy. <laughs> Chewy and Evan were there. That makes sense. Uh, anyway, comics. Comic Times. <laughs> uh, so this is published by Image Comics, uh, as you might imagine. Um, man, how do we basic premise this book? Okay, I think... Here's... Okay, here's how I... This is not true. This is how I should have pitched it to my wife instead of just going through each of the plot points. But... I think it was funny because as I was explaining it to Jenna, I was basically naming each of the things that was happening to set up the book. And it was funny because she's like, every time I named something, she's like, okay, that's the book. No, wait. Okay, that's the book. No, wait. Because each each of the things that occur in the setup, the run up to the actual story of this book, uh, 
like that is it's a book in and of itself it's a whole series each one of the parts of the backstory that this book sets up is a whole comic yeah. series yeah that's absolutely true um i okay so the way i would pitch it is in an alternate universe that uh spins off after the indian tribes of uh, i'm sorry the native american tribes uh during the civil war created a singular nation like i feel like that's the spin-off point they really want us to take so like after well, it, that happens it wasn't just that it was because there was like a catastrophic meteor strike or something well hold, hold on i'm getting there so okay, okay. It, it's an alternate universe where during the civil war instead of it just being the north and the south there was a third uh, faction and thus created like more factions from there as like there was a three then then three combatants uh for uh for north america and it sort of it spun out from there then it eventually became like six i think is what they said and then during the height of of the now six factioned civil war a meteor hit and they all took it as divine providence and the war ended but that also means that there's no United States of America. There is the seven nations, seven, because they split it off one more time, seven nations of America. So that is like the world set up and, a, and, a, and as truncated as I can make it. And then from there, we have the book, <laughs> which is the end times are essentially being... Uh, orchestrated by the four horsemen of the apocalypse in in a very like literary sense. There's literally four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah, one of them who has have been one of reincarnated several times. Right, and and it's not like it, it's like I said the like the apocalypse is being orchestrated in several phases. Uh, but one of the one of the horsemen has gone rogue and attempted to essentially just blow the whole thing off. And it takes three issues, but eventually you find out that uh, the other three horsemen are not only still attempting to orchestrate the end of the world, but then also track down and, I guess, destroy the other horsemen. Well, and it seems like something happened so they had to get reincarnated, reincarnated and he didn't. So they're like a generation right. off from each other. That was never answered in the ten issues that we no, read. No, no. So it's the two not. trades we read That's was like, ten issues. This is like watching early Lost. This book, man. It yeah, it really is. So that's the one thing that, about that I know about Hickman is like Hickman writes for the long game. Like he is the Michael Crichton of comics <laughs> or um, Tom Clancy. It's like everything. No, nothing takes place in the book. Everything takes place during the book like it's not until you get to the end where everything pays off and there's a bunch of big explosions that you go back and realize that it was all happening all at one time and you just couldn't see the forest for the trees i'm gonna challenge you on michael Crichton and did you say john grisham that's better that's a better oh, one no neither all of those are just like oh you said tom clancy They're just like i did say tom clancy pop, pulp writers i mean i like some michael Crichton stuff but i don't i think it's like a it's generally a literary technique 
like a prose literary technique that Hickman just loves. And he loves <laughs> the for long things game. to to unfold as the backstory unfolds simultaneously, but you don't ever have a clear picture until right at the end. Okay. Yeah, I, I we will have to figure out if that has a name. I don't I don't know if it does. But Yes, that is exactly what I'm trying to get at. And you can obviously tell that I don't read a lot of books that don't have colorful pictures um, and panels in them. So I tried my best and failed miserably. I'm sorry. (laughs) Hey, you know what? That was my fault. Uh, Jurassic Park, Westworld. (laughs) I mean, okay, let's talk about Westworld for a second, right? Yeah. So... We had, as as like a, a popular culture, we had this giant explosion of fantasy elements with both uh, Game of Thrones, and uh, I kind of want to argue, like, there's a big video games, like, fantasy push with, like, Skyrim, for example. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, we got I a mean, bunch of... Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, thank you. But I've, well, I mean, Lord of the Rings has been... Go back and look at when those movies were made and you'll cry. But because uh, oh, <laughs> it's not as right. recent as you think. No, but I mean, like Lord of the Rings was insanely successful, and somebody's like, "What if we did a grown-up version of this as a TV show?" And that's Game of Thrones, right? And then George I mean, R. R. Martin's like, uh, some some like uh, intern was reading George R. R. Martin at the time and said, "Like, hey, have you have you seen this? Like, if you're in the market for this, I have an idea." Yeah, and then obviously never got credit for that. Um, but I think it's interesting because. One thing, uh, I was listening to another podcast earlier this week, and they were talking about how, um, you know, years, years ago, the 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 million-dollar idea was Western, right? Yeah. Everybody uh, was making Westerns, and the cowboy was like a, a, a real big literary uh, and movie character. And it wasn't until, I feel like, Westworld came out that we had, like, this sort of reimagining of the cowboy Mm-hmm. But that being said, this this comic has been going on longer than Westworld has. Although, I'm, I'm the new series, not the old movie. I yeah. understand. I get that. Uh, but holy wow, I understand that you couldn't like. There's no way you can do this comic in like TV form. Even it would be too ridiculous to do. But would I watch the ever living crap out of this? Absolutely. <laughs> How would you do so much of this comic? I mean, you can't. I'm, no. I'm absolutely saying that, but I, mean, I, I am and saying somewhere Zack Snyder's like, no, <laughs> oh no, Zack Snyder, no, don't do it. Um, I am saying though that like the cowboy as like a literary character and like as a as a heroic trope, um, like the the old west. I guess like you do get things like Firefly, for example, which definitely track a lot closer to this than than anything else cowboy wise. Um, but like that that whole space cowboy thing is very much on brand for me and i wonder what it like after westworld if there's going to be any sort of like spike or shift or anything like that back towards that literary character um just and that was just like thought i had from from reading this and realizing that i was reading a western comic for all intents and purposes yeah the like tragic part of the tragic hero sort of thing uh, is he a tragic hero? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk. Okay, uh, let's okay, talk let's... about the fact that um, uh, we we did the basic premise. Is there a way we can do a synopsis? I guess we kind of did. Um, I mean, yeah, we have this guy whose death 
tracking down the people who at first he thinks killed his wife uh killed his wife and his and his child in fact yeah killed his child yeah which you also don't find in find out out a little later in but they ain't dead right and then but they're also not like one of them is retrievable but even then not really and the other one is not retrievable um or at the very least that's like the quest but then on the other side of things um someone else or something else is killing people politically right or is it him but to the point that like the northern american government is almost totally overthrown so this like yeah yeah and and that's that's another thing that i think makes this book uh like what you like you described it as dense and i think that's another thing that makes this book so dense is it is much like Game of Thrones and Westworld, several casts of characters with their own storylines moving independently of each other, but constantly intersecting in, in ways that are not um, like di- like direct confrontation. So, yeah, for example, no one is a one off or like tossed in character. Everybody's character has backstory and motivations and, you know, history and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And and one of the examples of that is Death goes to um, track down the people that, like, did whatever they did to him and, you know, took those people from him. One of them happens to be the president of the Union, um, sort of like the closest allegory you're going to get to the United States in this book. Yeah. Um, and he kills the president. But the president was also a member of this cabal for the apocalypse And so that then forced the three remaining horsemen to go through and choose a new successor for the president by essentially going down the presidential line of succession and eliminating everybody they didn't like until they found somebody they did. So they found someone that would be loyal to them. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, but that was like death went and did a thing on his own, um, which by the way, we should reiterate that death is the main character, the, the horseman death. Yeah. Um, who is very much a uh, cowboy. Um, but uh, 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 what was I going to say? So the, the he did his thing, which then in turn messed up the other thing. So then they had to go do a bunch of stuff. You, you, like there's that whole chain of events that are directly correlated, but they're not direct confrontational, even though yeah, they, are, they are strongly linked. This apocalypse cult that's made up of the leaders of the seven nations... It must is self reinforcing, and also backed up by the other three horsemen. Exactly, and it, it's all supposed to be like um, I, I don't know. Uh, I guess for the for the horsemen, like the horsemen are the ones calling the shots, but at the same time, they're pretty weak at the moment because they had to get reincarnated again. Yeah. Well, and then super. there's sort of like a vague. Book of Prophecy slash Oracle. Ah, uh, the message. Yeah. You you speak of the message, Ryan. <laughs> Which is super... Uh, here's, here's the thing that I don't understand about the message. So, in, in the world building... So, it's... This is definitely one of those books where you read a you read an issue of world building so that you can start the story. Like, the story doesn't start until issue two, essentially. But... Uh, One of those was, there were three prophets, right? Yeah. So there was um, 
a chieftain, an Indian chieftain, there was, if I'm getting this correctly, the ousted Chinese president Mao Zedong. Yep. Who then sought refuge in Western uh, North America. Yeah, because... Was a prophet for this. Western United States, like the West Coast, is its own Chinese Chinese country. Oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Well, he, well, according, so apparently he went over there and established a Chinese country and then went from there. But yeah, yeah, um, and oh, yeah, New Shanghai. Um, And then um, there was uh, this other guy who they started as, as, I guess, the best thing he can figure, he's the, um, who's the the guy who wrote the Book of Mormon? Uh, Oh, the, the prophet. Longstreet, yeah. who is a preacher, right? But he, I, I think like my my association or my allegory for him would be Joseph Smith. Like yeah, that's what like, I feel like was served in the Civil War, and then became a preacher. But they yeah. also referenced then, the Great Awakening, right? Which is so a, this message is a separate thing from Joseph Smith. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's doing some stuff, man. Uh, it's doing a lot of stuff, but uh, the message is supposed to be like, is it supposed to be scripture or is it supposed to be just a prophecy and people just repeat it over and over and over again? And that like, that's the thing they worship. That's what I wasn't. So it is a prophecy and this insane apocalypse cult takes it as scripture. Got it. But it, it also can't be interpreted except by the in- the anointed right yeah okay so i mean there's that which is really really interesting um yeah it was hard to tell if people like was the message it it seemed like something that was very widespread and sort of like a very strong contender for main religion in this universe because Uh, but every world leader is part of this cult so of course everybody or at least everybody is pushing it all the world leaders in the seven nation army or whatever are part of this cult dun, dun, so, dun, dun, dun. Shh, can't oh afford that <laughs> hey i stopped that for five seconds all right um but yeah so like as far as that goes um i would say like the message and the horsemen and just like uh, the whole synopsis revolves around trying to orchestrate the apocalypse, but death is screwing all that up by essentially trying to rescue his wife. Yeah. And kit or not even necessarily rescue, but more avenge either. Yeah. That makes sense. Like it's like, yeah, I would say avenge. He is trying to track her down and track his kid down, but he's also killing everybody. I mean, he's death. (laughs) He is death, which is which is a unique license on being able to just, you know, kill fools. That's like true. when you're when when you're like, this is literally my job. None of you are not beneath me because I am like a being of a higher power. It's hard to argue, like, oh, this book's really violent. It's like, yeah, the main character is literally the embodiment of death. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah okay, that's fair. Which which is super edgy. Don't get me wrong. It's about <laughs> as it's about as edgy as you're gonna get. It is. Um, 
but it, it does give, like I said, a unite. He has a unique license to kill. Um, yeah, and it, and it, you you like he's killing people, and you're like, well, it's kind of his thing. Like he was he was gonna do it regardless. That's true. Uh, Can we talk it, about the um, way? No, what do you, what do you got? No, no, sorry. Go ahead. You're right. I was gonna say. Can we talk about the way the story is structured? Because I feel like reading this book is like juggling. It like is, I, yeah. I constantly, like I, a vignette, something happens. Because each issue, we read eight, ten issues. Each issue mm. has a couple of different storylines in it. And then I feel like you're constantly like, okay, I, I learned some stuff there. But I don't have a place to apply it. So I'm just going to throw that ball in the air. Grab another one. And I got to keep all these balls in the air until they come due. And I'm just yeah. like constantly being like, okay, I'll, I'll file that away for later. And at this point I have this, like all these files. <laughs> and it's like, when am I going to get to, when am I going to put these on the wall and tape the string between them or something? Like, come on, man. And yeah, he starts doing that. I feel like towards the middle of the second trade, uh, and when we finally run into the Oracle, and she's missing both her eyes, and mm-hmm. there's that guy in the very first issue who had that weird eye. Yeah, I immediately I'm like, like oh, that's tied one that of the back. Oracle's eyes. Cool. It just took eight issues to get there, and each issue is like dense and packed full of other stuff. So and each issue like had expecting... multiple storylines with backstory and different multiple timelines in the multiple storylines yeah um (laughs) i definitely i i get what you mean but like at the same time each one is in bite-sized pieces so the balls are not like it's not like you're juggling you know a basketball and a bowling ball and a baseball you know they're all fairly equal sized um and it doesn't usually leave you it's not like um it cuts back and forth often enough they don't wrap up a specific event like death um storming uh the 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 gate of the chinese nation essentially like they let that play out it immediately after that that whole thing was done they cut away and they did something else for a bit but uh they let that play out so you sort of get a feeling of resolution to that scene um it's not like a. Uh, it's not like a. Well, I'm about to tell you who the killer is, and then it cuts to a different storyline. No, you're right. It definitely like gives you a vignette and then cuts. It's not like it's constantly cutting to an in progress. I mean, the story is ongoing as it's cutting away from it, but you get the digestible element. It's not like I'm like, okay, there's 17 pages of this story, and they're distributed through this whole issue intercut with other pages it's like i got this chunk of it it's i'm whining about it but i think it's really expertly executed yeah yeah it felt very like it once again we keep going back to the word dense and i feel like we should find a better word for that but it, it felt dense in a way that was navigatable i feel like it's Twice as much comic books amount of plot and story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that being said, each issue is still only, it's still only like 15, 20 pages, right? No, it's like a, let's see. I'm looking for white space. Mm-hmm. 
We're looking at 30 page issues, I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, there's so much in each 30 page issue. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, like, that's there's so much. Tons. Like, there's a lot of comic. Uh, no, we're 45 page issues? No, maybe not. No, I think it's 30. I think we're looking at 30. I guess what's the release schedule for this? Is it monthly? Um, it started monthly, and they did 15 issues in their first year, and then they slowed down, and then they slowed down a little bit more. And I mean, to be fair, both of them are working, doing other stuff, and doing work for Marvel pays the way doing work for image doesn't so right yeah i think that they put out four issues this year three years three issues this year okay i mean that's that's still pretty good considering it's like a creator-owned comic yeah i think each issue was like double size so that they released a single trade this year of episode you know or issues 35 through 38 yeah um yeah as as far as that goes i mean like they put a lot of effort into it you can tell it's probably already uh, it's probably planned out well in advance like everything is and they're probably just getting through it as slowly as possible and trying to cram in as many things as possible too yeah oh i feel i'm sure that hickman has like a serious bible and like just an insane amount of backstory that will never get anywhere i know i picked up a book called east of west the world that was literally like history book good lord in comic book form with maps and diagrams excerpts of the message and stuff like that like it was like an apocrypha of east of west that's i mean that's so 60 page issue like a single you know kind of prestige format thing that's so much though um yeah i mean i i believe that holy holy crap um (laughs) I want to talk about, uh, <clears throat> speaking of, of writing, like the way they write the characters. All right. Because I think that the way that the characters are written is simultaneously um, endearing, I guess mm-hmm. is the right word. Like, like, emotion, like you can get emotionally invested. But at the same time, I hate everyone. <laughs> yeah, they're all terrible. Like, terrible yeah, people they're all... in different ways. But I mean... You could go back to, like, Stan Lee and say, well, because they're all flawed, just like us humans are. But they're all... That's absolutely true. Extra flawed. But it's sort of like... It's sort of like the human playing at being the devil. Mm-hmm. So I, I feel like... Um, well, at least for a, a good chunk of them. Uh, and, and as soon as I say that, I take it back, because I have a couple exceptions in mind. Um... But there are some characters who are human playing at being the devil. There are characters who are, you know, the devil playing at being God. And there are characters who are um, human playing at, you know, uh, playing playing the game trying to stay alive. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and a, like, a couple characters that, that stood out for me. And one of them wasn't even until the very end, but he's the one that keeps coming up every time I think about... Uh, a unique character, like a specifically unique character, is um, James Freeman or John Fre- John Freeman, the uh, the prince. Uh huh. Okay. You remember yeah. what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. the prince. He does come up late. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he does come up late. But the the thing about that that I the thing about him that I thought was really interesting is number one, he's the only member of the um, apocalypse cult who is not like a leader per se. He's a prince. His dad is still alive and the king and the leader of the nation. 
the other thing is that he is like next in line for the throne, but I thought it was really interesting to bring up the fact that he's not the only one in line, and there might be some people that kind of want to get in on that. Uh, and then lastly, the other thing that I liked about that was that um, the reason he did it was to sort of keep your enemies close. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, he, he wasn't the, uh, oh man, we got to talk about Chamberlain in a sec. I might talk about my other favorite character. <laughs> uh, but uh, he wasn't like, he's not, he doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't do a lot. He's just there because he knows that's the place to be so that he's not missing out on anything. And it's sort of like this weird dangerous game where he doesn't seem like the most um, in tune with everyone. Um, he doesn't seem like he's got the most cards to play. But man, like at that very end where, where he sort of like starts to play those cards, I, I really enjoyed the way that played out. Well, yeah, and that's the power of the that writing where it's like slow burn over time where you, you know, we've seen 100 pages of comics where he's just sort of chill in there and you get to the point where you as a reader are like, what's up with this guy? And then you get it and you're like, oh, now, now he's my favorite character. And 50 pages ago, I was like, well, that's a neat background character. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it sounds weird, but, uh, uh, being a anime and manga fan, um, you know, they always introduce, like new organizations or new bad guys in groups it's almost always like you know five or six or whatever and it's always interesting because i love those pages where they show you the group and it's like the so in, like the seven evil fish men you know what i mean and like it shows you each of them or it shows you like their silhouette for example and then you get your mind to sort of like try to wrap your like wrap your your idea around like what this guy is going to do and what his power is and like what this guy's going to look like and what his power is and so um uh that character like john freeman specifically when he showed up uh i loved the way that they took like my, my brain's idea because the only the only thing you saw him do before that was you know, attempt to shoot somebody like that was it. Um, and then giving him that full on backstory was just so satisfying to know that, um, like that, that character had a bunch, had a bunch of meat behind it, you know? Yeah. This, he wasn't just there to pull the trigger. There was a whole bunch of reason why. Exactly. And I just, I love that payout. I love finally getting to know that person. Yeah. Did you have like a, did you have a character that stood out for you at all? Um, I man, I've been. I mean, you can names. you can say death if you want to cop out. That's fine. I like death. <laughs> I um, actually I like death's wife. Oh yeah, okay. Where she is like his equal in a way, but it's worse because she's just human. Yeah, I mean that was that was an awesome amount of. Uh, uh, of background as well where it's just like she's so good at being a warrior that even death was like yo how do you do that (laughs) um but then also and i can't i think maybe this is i don't i'm bad with names of characters i think maybe this is chamberlain but the guy who is just sort of like yeah i don't believe any of this i'm just like here to play both sides Oh no, that was um oh are we talking about uh Colonel Sanders or are we talking about yeah. the uh the governor of Texas? <laughs> yes, the governor of Texas. Wait. Um the governor of Texas one of them dies. The one who does Yes, die. that's the Okay. 
governor of Texas okay, so you're is talking like, about... I'm Texas. We're going to deal with Texas. And I'm like, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Um, yeah, that, that's exactly the what Texas he talks to do. is just sort of like, I'm here for nobody. You guys can all get out. I don't care. Yeah, that's that's Chamberlain. Uh, okay. He like he looks like Colonel Sanders, first of yeah, all, yeah. which I highly respect. He looks like a cross between Colonel Sanders and John Wayne. Um, mm-hmm. If Colonel Sanders and John Wayne's fusion was a James Bond villain. I can see that. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he is like the archetypal, like, silver-tongued... Uh, I don't know. Is like Littlefinger a good like analogy for this? I feel like it's pretty darn close. I don't. Um, you don't watch Game of Thrones. Never mind. No, People who sorry. listen to Game of Thrones, at me on this. Um, but uh, uh, he is the guy that like, you know, can talk his way pretty much out of every anything. Yeah, has leverage for everyone. Um, doesn't uh, doesn't believe in both sides because whatever side is winning, that's the side he's on. Yeah, uh, and even then, only halfway. I like him because he sucks. <laughs> but he's so much fun to hate. You no, know, he, he totally is. He's fun to hate because I feel like he has that character safety. You know? Like, like yeah, you're a bad guy, but it feels like you're going to be around for a while. Uh, you're not, like, you're not the flavor of the weak bad guy. You're definitely the long game bad guy. So I'm going to get invested because when you finally do die, it's going to suck. For, for literally everyone involved. Well, but it's also... He's like the chaos monkey in the all these machinations. Because it's like... At any moment, he could betray anybody. Mm-hmm. Because he's only in it for himself. He can, he can betray anybody, but he can also save anyone, too. Yeah, so... It, like, on the one hand, it means he's just kind of like a tool for the author but on the other hand it keeps it from being totally predictable because it's like well what's this one guy gonna right exactly and you're always like well okay these planes are happening over here but who knows what this guy has but he doesn't he's not like the guy that's looking to take over the the cult or take over the world at least not yet um in this far he's definitely the guy that's like i'm just gonna like enjoy the ride and i have a bunch of plan b's if i need it yeah which I think is is sort of what makes him like kind of what you were talking about. Just like I'm not I'm not here for nobody. I'm here for me, and this is a really good place to be right now. I'm but here it's also for a good like time, the worst not place. a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Colonel Yolo. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm trying to think of like anybody else. I mean, we have to talk about um. Death's traveling companions. Oh yeah! Because not only I love not both of them. They are both simultaneously amazing uh, side characters, um, yeah, and also amazing character designs. Oh, and let's talk about them for a second, and then slip right into talking about the art. But I, okay, I like that the introduction of like their names are Crow and Wolf mm-hmm. because, or at least that's how they're addressed, I guess. But that's also what they turn into become yeah that's also that's like their spirit so i think um if i if i recall my uh native american uh mythos um specifically what tribe i have no idea i was eight when i learned this um that there is you know like the animal spirits each represent like a a sort of like humanistic personality type right so coyote is the trickster um yeah but the crow is also very clever and um and and deceitful you know what i mean but but Mm -hmm. 
if I recall correctly. I could be absolutely wrong. I'm going to Google this in a second because okay, uh, this is being recorded. Traditionally aligned with death. Okay, awesome. So I think that she is not, especially at the very end of the book where they can where they confront that one um, uh, chief, um, I don't think that she is a person like Wolf is. Wolf is a person. Wolf is like a like a shaman, right? Sure. Yeah. She is she is crow. Like she is that spiritual embodiment. And yeah. I don't he might have like summoned her or like tamed her or like maybe is paying her in some way, shape, or form. Mm. Um and there must be some other bargain going on with Wolf that I don't know about. Cause he didn't have any problems facing down his father. <laughs> yeah, well it seems like Wolf took on a mantle. But Crow seems oh, I guess it's a like point. a full embodiment. Like a mantle. Like, do you think that's his cloak thing? No, no, I mean, not like a literal mantle necessarily, but oh, okay. like a, he became the wolf. He's like okay, I get that. the next Batman. <laughs> or the <laughs> or the Phantom. Yeah. Actually, the Phantom is probably a, like a really close connection because the Phantom was traditionally raised by wolves. And was an unstoppable warrior. Oh, I forgot about that stupid plot point. Is how is he raised by wolves is? and then learns how to shoot guns? Because he gets kidnapped by smugglers or whatever. I, mean, which, I don't remember the. I don't remember the Phantom. Which Phantom are we talking? First Phantom. I'm talking about the movie because that's the only Phantom I'm aware of. Billy Zane. The one with Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look. I love that. It's movie. a movie. I saw the theaters. Right? I was a huge fan of the Phantom as a kid. I had the ring. I was all about it. It was it was a good it was a good ring movie. You definitely they probably sold some merch. Oh, I'm pretty sure I got it with like a McDonald's Happy Meal. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, that movie can that movie be any good? Like, what does IMDb it's have no, for the Phantom? It's so bad. We did an really? episode have of seen Super it? Action Bros on it ages ago. It's astonishing. It's awful. <laughs> Is there it, the plot is that there are three skulls and if you get the three skulls you get some sort of wish right? Uh, no, no, they're super powerful. Oh, uh, like you, you, you can be the Hulk. Like that's no, a like you, Death Ray. Uh, okay, <laughs> Death Ray. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, because he was he was gonna like burn up New York or something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that sounds bad. Super villain status. Um, so speaking of, of those two characters, we're going to talk about the way they're drawn. Yeah. So just to, I mean, yeah, let's talk about it. They're one of, they're both, uh, Wolf is just complete white, right? With detail. Wolf is kind of, yes. Wolf himself is a big, big burly, like, uh, like bruiser looking dude that has like a white cape or or yeah like a white cape and like a loincloth and um and he is and completely sort white. of becomes wolves as he becomes a wolf or wolves yeah it, he it doesn't seems like a wolf he becomes wolves he can manifest and or turn into them from what i gather yeah. um i it's it looks you know it looks a lot like um cloak from cloak and dagger yeah. Like you can't really tell where he ends and the cloak starts and vice versa. You just see wolves sort of coming out of him. Mm-hmm. 
Um, in, in one or two panels, it looks like it starts with the cloak and sort of goes from there. Um, but it also looks like he can just sort of like dip down under it and disperse into wolves. Yeah. So, but the uh, other hand, yeah. Crow is a the black opposite. lady, but not like African American, but rather just like full, like no detail, just the color black with a loincloth and white hair. She looks like the Martian queen from Looney Tunes. <laughs> yeah. Like almost exactly like that. Like, if, like Marvin if the Martian. The Martian queen. Yeah. Yeah. Like the lady. Marvin. Yes. If, if she dressed up like a Native American. Um, and by that, I mean, wore a bottom loincloth that barely covered anything and basically nothing else. But then it doesn't really matter because there's literally no detail on her body. Right. And. And then she I, can disperse I, into crows. She can disperse into crows. I want to believe that the lack of detail on her body is specifically because she has none. And not because it would be weird to just draw her naked constantly. Yeah. I want to believe that, like, literally you don't see anything. Like, you that just see the shape. Void. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But her eyes. Like, her eyes are white around it. And it looks like sort of crying tears down as well. Yeah. I feel like that's something specific. Now, the other thing about, speaking of color, so Wolf is white, she's, like, completely black, so they're sort of negatives, mm-hmm. and Death was black, just like um, Crow is, but is now white, like Wolf is. Yeah. So, whatever happened in his whole, like, Yeah, we know mist- something has happened, but we still, at this point, 10 issues in, don't know how that, how he's changed. Right, Exactly. Like, we, we don't know exactly what happened, why the other three got reincarnated and he didn't, but whatever. He said he had to pay some sort of price, but we don't know what that price is and and exactly how it affected him. But apparently it turned him from black to white, whatever that means. Yeah, and then each of the other three members of the Horsemen have, like, a theme color. They like do, yeah. Yellow, blue, and teal. red. Yeah, but it's not just straight yellow, blue, and red. It's like a weird teal and like a weird sort of like maroon and then like a neon greeny yellow yeah well i think that's just because it's supposed to be like a sickening color yeah well and then whoever is yellow is pestilence plague uh yes and so that one has a skull face famine is the word they use in the famine oh no, no okay that's not plague that's famine plague is blue than a red uh well they they changed it up a little bit they're not using like the traditional four they're going with um their death and there's war but then there's famine and um conquering conquer yeah conqueror capitalism just kidding (laughs) uh where am i yeah but apparently after they reincarnate they need to spend some time as kids first which makes it uber creepy and also, they become, they're different every time. Sometimes yeah, they're so boys, the, sometimes they're a girl. I think they've all flipped genders. Yeah. So, in this ring, I think they flip genders each time. Because War was mad uh, that he's not a lady anymore. That's right. And they ride these insane, like, horse blasters. Which, I mean, is basically, like, Jack Kirby's, you know, modern dream. Yeah, they, <laughs> like it needs- they're super Kirby-esque their yeah. horses it's like if if kirby was like if you told kirby to draw a, a horse motorcycle 
This is kind of really close to what he would draw. Although it's not purple, they're they're sleek black. Um, but they do look like they were born of some sort of pod. And instead of having a head and a face, it's like a massive blaster. Yeah, I mean, what would you call that? Like some sort of uh, like iris like or lens? But it, Yeah, and it like shoots a beam of destruction. You know, the really cool thing though is I... I didn't know what that was. I thought that was a machination of the universe, but it's not. It's specific to them. Yeah, it's there. Like it's something that they, they brought with them. them, which is really cool. So it's very unique in that way. Um, yeah, I don't know. All the characters are both simultaneously hateable and lovable, and uh, there's a lot of effort that goes into. I think not just their design, but also their personalities and backstories. Yeah. Can we talk? Their backstories are probably. Can we talk more about the art? Uh, I mean, okay, I don't know where to start with this, so it is all in color, obviously. Yeah. The colors themselves are, ah, oh, man. I feel like Who it's a limited palette. Really? I mean... I don't think so. I think it has a theme. I think everything yeah, okay. is themed. I think it's pushed to certain directions. It's I mean, obviously, very... the Chinese nation, everybody's wearing red. Yeah. Um, obviously, when you're hanging out with with Death and the other two, everything's mostly black or gray. Um, but I mean, some of these other like the bar. I'm looking at the page where the uh, the yeah. Horseman kids make it back to the bar, and everything's like teal and red, and there's some yellow in there. So, I mean, it's just it's very mood lit. There's a lot of mood lighting. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that I really like is there's a very clear art change that's almost all colors when you're looking at a flashback yeah that's true because the there's, there's standard, a very specific flashback color palette yeah the big difference is standard color palette for what's happening now black borders around the panels and black is pure black but when you're looking at the um when you're looking at the flashbacks there's no ink to panel the border. It's just sort of like wavy edges of color. And then all of the blacks are tinged to whatever color is near them. It's no true yeah, blacks. They, it definitely looks like there's some sort of like um, color wash over them. Yeah, it's like a almost like a sepia color wash. All the whites, like the panel borders and the balloons are white. But everything else that would be white is like yellowish bone colored yeah that's a good point so they did a good job of like sort of going with that that old west sort of like sepia tone like kind of what you said like um extra little nod i guess yeah is is kind of the way i want to think about it also it's very um uh tarantino-esque also Mm -hmm. i hate that word but it does work that like golden hour sunset kind of coloring a little dustier it kind of looks like, um, so this book, I think it's major art style, I would just say is um, modern comics, mm-hmm. like art style. Like, I don't want to, like, it's not, it, it's close to like some sort of like Marvel House style, but it's modern comic style. Yeah, um, it's pretty glossy as that goes. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not like flat colors or anything. It's not crazy inky. I do like that the faces sort of get push cartoony. Mm-hmm. You know, well, very not, expressive in that way. Yeah, they're very expressive, but he doesn't let the anatomical limits of an actual human face dictate the expressions that can be made. Right. It's not Alex Ross. 
Right, absolutely. And it's, it's not like it's a still very... Salvador La Roca, Greg Land, I'm tracing people's faces. <laughs> the faces no, it, are well, although, although it does seem like that sometimes, because there are times where like the faces are so detailed yeah. that it gets a little uncanny valley. Mm-hmm. But it, it bounces back and forth and uses the medium pretty well. So, yeah, I'm looking at a like page only, where only during the extreme are and their mouths open are bigger than their whole faces, you know? Right. But then there's also ones where, like, uh, like Chamberlain's face is all scrunched up, and he just... It, everything is perfectly anatomically correct. He just looks very angry, and it yeah. looks like that was... Like, there was some sort of reference there, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I um, mean... Being used. Yeah. Could be. F- photo booth on his back. It rides that line really well. Like, mm-hmm. it definitely... Like, this is what I call comics art. You know, like, where you show somebody yeah. and go, Hey, look at this picture. And you go, oh, that looks like it came from a comic book. Yeah, you're right. It's, you know, it's like, not too different from, like, Mar- Marvel House style. It's glossy. Exactly. Just well done. Um, I also think that, um, going back to your point about the flashbacks, the flashbacks kind of look like they are done from an earlier generation comic. Like, mm-hmm. maybe somewhere in, like, the 80s or something like that. Oh, sure. Like, printed on newsprint, kind of. Exactly. Yeah. And the lines... Like, there's no harsh black outlines. Mm. Um, and everything's a little more, like, uh, gesture-wise, a little more loose. That's that's a good insight. I like that. Um, so it feels a little more, like, old-timey. You know what I mean? But, like, there's old-timey also, comics. There's also crazy tons of detail. Especially in the oh, gosh, landscape yeah. shots. Oh, like, gosh, yeah. Boy, how long did you take to draw that city? <laughs> yeah, it is, this is not uh, Kill Six Billion Demons, where I found out everything was just a bunch of scribbles and then yeah. zoomed out real far. You zoom, <laughs> you keep zooming in, it's just like, Nick DeGroote, man, we gotta talk. That's Jeez. too much work. Yeah, how, like, no wonder these are coming out so slow. But, yeah. holy wow. Um, but yeah, this I would say this, this is a good example of... Um, like a a modern style comic that does not uh, that benefits from a more traditional modern comic style, but does bend it enough to become both unique and also like very very pretty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd say. But yeah, it's great. Like overall, beyond just the art, I, I in four color commentary you used to always talk about like not pro level but like advanced reader level comics yeah and i don't i don't know that i like that term um like this is this is the comic that you're like man i I want a comic that's just like super deep and like i have to like there's so much detail and i really want to get into and figure out all the backstory and stuff so it's not like yeah you have to have read a thousand comics it's just like you have to be someone who's into those kind of stories. Like you want a comic that's got hundreds of years of history that you're going to figure out all of it matters. You got to be that, like uh, that person who gets really into the things that they're into. You know, you got to like, you got to read this and like this, if this jives with you, you're going to, you're going to be in all the way. But it also does have a barrier of entry with if this isn't your flavor, it's going to seem tedious and long and, and difficult to understand. But that I doesn't can, mean... I've, I feel like I read the first issue. When this first came out, everybody's like, oh, East of West is awesome. And I read the first issue and I was like, uh. And I read it like <laughs> three more times before I was like, 
Oh, this is kind of interesting. It's not that it wasn't interesting. I was just like, oh, it was too much. It was too much for one comic. Yeah. I don't want this That's right fair. Now. We should go back and listen to the first time we read this, though. Yeah, we did read the first trade on uh, Four Color Commentary. For this one, we read the first two trades, which I was like, oh, that's the first year. But no, it turns out the first year was 15 issues. Uh, oh, jeez. So what we read but I, the first 10. Yeah, but I, I like where this 10 ended. Yeah. Like, I'm, I'm happy with that. Like, it was a real good cliffhanger um, that sort of resolved something and then asked a question immediately afterward. Which, so I'm, I'm okay again, with that. Makes me think of Lost, because Lost was all about answering a question that you've had mm-hmm. for a really long time and then immediately make you say, this answer is nothing because I have a bigger question now. Mm-hmm. And that That's does true. this. But it, and it does that by deepening the story. And I, like, ultimately, I was a big fan of Lost, and I'm a fan of stories like that. So as long as you trust that there is an ending. Yeah, which I guess, I don't know, with Hickman, I feel like there would be, right? Yeah, yeah, Hickman... I mean, you could raid his house or something if, if he never publishes <laughs> the rest of the book. That's absolutely true, yeah. Don't actually do um, it, just so we're clear. So what are your what are your final thoughts? Like you gotta do you have a summation? Um It's a it's like a insane cowboy sci fi book with mm. hundreds of years of alternate history and I wanna read all of it. I want to read so much more. <laughs> like I need answers. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I that's it. I would say that like if you're if you're a fan of like western sci-fi, like if you if you even partially enjoyed uh like Firefly for example. Ah, like don't this... What? I... What? What I say? Oh, I just I have rewatched no. Firefly and was like this isn't for me anymore. Really? Wait. Yeah, it oh, okay. was the Joss Whedon, it was the Whedon-esque bit of it, which is all of huh. it. Um, I mean, a space cowboy slash sci-fi cowboy stuff. I would say don't yeah. pigeonhole it with Firefly, because it does not okay. hold up. It does not hold up. Oh, okay. I'll go back and watch it then, I guess. I own, an, um, I own okay. two copies of it on DVD. Two copies of a TV show on DVD. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a lot and it still doesn't hold up it's too much um okay well then in that case like if you're if you're into um like a game of thrones or a westworld style show sure like if you're, if you're into long form um tales of intrigue tales of intrigue and like uh, weird cults yeah with with a with a bit of uh with a bit of uh what's the word i'm looking for like fantasy i guess thrown in fantasy yeah, like is the magic wrong word. and sci-fi coexisting but no because then i'm thinking of like something else i'm thinking of uh like some sort of magic punk world this is definitely more this, like this isn't not that no this is like cypunk this is cypunk is that a word uh a, that's a bad word now. if it is oh jeez. anyway um it's long it's it's arduous but it pays off um and it's not advanced comics but it is very deep yeah that i totally agree with yeah, I, I and, wouldn't uh, read this on a bus. No, definitely not read this. Because I'd miss my like, a... like an hour later. I'd be like, oh, wait. Uh, I think I was supposed to get off. This is like go somewhere comfy and enjoy a couple hours. Yeah, or an hour at least. You know what I mean? Binge read? Binge read. This 
Yeah, I, I give this a binge read. binge read. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's Hickman. It has to. <laughs> if for nothing else, then you'd be sitting up late at night. What's gonna happen? Why did this? Yeah, happen? but what did that? That's mean what happened to me with this. That's what happened to me with Wicked and Divine too. I stayed up till like two a.m. finishing that because it, yeah. it all chained together. Yeah, but Wicked and Divine, it's like all their pop stars. This is like all their like world leader cult follower oh, yeah. murder cowboys. The fact I did not have uh what's the word? Uh nightmares <laughs> after this is a little I'm a little proud of myself, I guess. Yeah. I'm I'm a big boy now. I the I guy's don't get nightmares the after weird alien oracle and then somebody shoots him and it merges with his body. Oh jeez. It's like oh that's this is your life now. <laughs> Interpret the message for us. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> this is been... It's like, that's a whole story right there. And that's, like, ten pages of look, 300. Look, man, if we could... If you want to start breaking this off like uh, like a Kit Kat bar or something, we're going to be here for another six hours. It's like a thousand Kit Kats. Yeah, it's all the... Like, what's a... I guess just small Legos? I mean, you lose the food analogy, but it's still kind of works it's legos all the way down it's like you keep zooming in and it's like oh there's more stuff in here it's great it's it's awesome like it's there's it's so deep with ideas it's so rich with just like cool concepts yeah that's true that like you know a mildly clever person could make a hundred new stories from you know the things in a couple issues. Yeah, think about all the alternate perspectives. Yeah, like, I want to read fan fiction. <laughs> so much. Oh, well, man. it's Image. They probably won't see you. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, you just talk to Hickman and he'd be like, well, let me read it first and I'll I'll say, no, you can't do this, but yes, you can do that. I don't even know. I wonder if we did that. I wonder if we tweeted to him and just said, Hey, we kind of want to write uh, East of West fan fiction. What are, what are the guidelines for this? You'd be like, don't talk to me again. <laughs> well, it was a good podcast while it lasted. All right. Any last words, Alan? Uh, I think you should read this. Oh! See what I did there? Yeah. Nailed it. That's good. That's the name of the show. This is yeah, You Should Read I, This. Uh, comic book and graphic novel review and discussion podcast <laughs> uh alan how can people get a hold of you on the internet uh you can find me on the internet uh instagrams and twitters at marginally talented m-r-g-n-l-y talented uh i'm on instagram at twitter ryan roop r-y-a-n-r-u-p-p-e uh you can reach out to the show y-s-r-t comics on twitter you should read this comics on instagram and facebook Thanks for listening.